brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. At that time, Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. He revealed himself in this way. Together were Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, Zebedee's sons, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we also will come with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. When it was already dawn, Jesus was standing on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, have you caught anything to eat? They answered him, no. So he said to them, cast the net over the right side of the boat and you will find something. So they cast it and were not able to pull in because of the number of fish. So the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. And Simon Peter heard it was the Lord. He tucked in his garment for he was lightly clad and jumped into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat for they were not far from the shore, only about a hundred yards dragging the net with the fish. When they climbed out on shore, they saw a charcoal fire with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you just caught. So Simon Peter went over and dragged the net ashore, full of 153 large fish. Even though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come, have breakfast. And none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they realized it was the Lord. Jesus came over and took the bread and gave it to them. And in like manner, the fish. This is now the third time Jesus was revealed to his disciples after being raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Simon Peter answered him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. He then said to Simon Peter a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Simon Peter answered him, Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Jesus said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was distressed that Jesus had said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Amen, amen, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to dress yourself and go where you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. 
He said this signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had said this, he said to him, follow me. The gospel of the Lord. Not too long ago, someone that I, I went to school with posted, I think I'm ready to jump on their social media. And accompanying those words was this link to a video that was titled Jump Club. And even though I hadn't talked to this person in years, my ADD mind couldn't quite resist. I had to check out what it was that they're getting into. Was he buying a trampoline? Was he joining a skydiving club? I don't know. As it turned out, it was neither of those things. It was actually this outgrowth of this inspirational book that's entitled When to Jump. And it was written by this guy by the name of Mike Lewis. At the age of 24, Lewis explained while he was working at some prestigious corporation, he eagerly wanted to leave the job he had and pursue his dream of becoming a professional squash player. No judgment. I didn't even know what squash was, to be honest with you. I thought it was just a you know, vegetable or something like that, but I found out it's actually a form of tennis. So, like I said, no judgment, one person's dreams. Anyway, recognizing that this was going to be quite a, a major shift, which might be difficult to explain on a resume moving forward, he was a little bit hesitant. So he went about seeking other people's experiences of determining the exact time of moving on from something that they were comfortable with and something that was known to something they had only dreamed of doing. And so he interviewed others who, as he put it, jumped. And the responses he got were from a banker who ended up starting a brewery, a publicist who ended up becoming a bishop, and a garbage collector who became a furniture designer, and so on, all culminating in his book, which he wrote after he started playing squash professionally. And it was motivational to see people being so reflective about where they were at, bravely confronting their unhappiness, and taking that important risk to move from doing something that was safe and that was they, they knew and jumping into something radically different. And the authors and the participants were all very honest. Some talked about hopping on from one thing to another and that next thing that they thought was going to be the thing and didn't turn out the way they expected it to. And instead of viewing it as a failure, they saw it as a, a step in a series of steps or jumps that they needed to make to get to that one thing, whatever that thing was, that was going to really tap into their, their passions and lead them into a life of fulfillment and contentment. And one specific interview really stood out was with this young guy who said that for him, the hardest part, the hardest part of the whole thing was accepting that I had to start over. And I couldn't help but agree because I kept thinking in my own life, whatever it was, whether it was graduating from school, graduating from college, graduating and going into the seminary, going, getting ordained, going to a new parish, all those transitions, which I knew were all imminent and had planned for and was kind of eager and excited about it. The thing that was always so hard was starting over. All those relationships that I had made were, were going to change. 
And that meant I had to start afresh and make new ones. All the things that I knew and were just part of my daily routine would now be gone. How often do we get stuck or trapped because we'd rather stick with what is known than take that risk, take that coveted leap of faith? Yet the more I reflected on it, the more I got convinced that that's the life of the Christian. It's really all about learning to jump. And the hardest part is accepting we have to keep taking those forward-looking steps, moving beyond what's seemingly comfortable and familiar. Just thinking about St. Peter, the, the first pope who we hear about in this passage that we just proclaimed. Throughout the Gospels, we see Peter jumping every now and then. When Jesus first calls him to follow him, there's this immediacy. There's a, a complete abandonment. As the Gospels tells us, he drops his net at once and follows. Other times, his jumps aren't necessarily the best ones, like when he talks without thinking. On one occasion, Peter misunderstands what Christ is saying to him to such a grave extent that Jesus rebukes him and says, Get behind me, Satan. Or other times, Peter's a bit impulsive, and that gets further admonishment. But worst of all, during the passion of Jesus Christ, Peter, who's going to be the rock on which Jesus is going to build the church, denies even knowing Christ three times. It's hard to even imagine recovering from something that brutally intense, which is why today's gospel has always been so moving and such a hopeful one to me. Because we see and we hear once again that God doesn't treat us like we sometimes treat one another. God doesn't dwell on our failures and our mistakes. Yes, he knows about them. But the Lord doesn't look for reasons to disqualify us. He's constantly looking at our potential. He's constantly looking at us as the beloved sons and daughters that he created us to be. And he knows that when the reality of whatever bad choices we've made or mistakes or missteps finally occurs to us, when the shame and the embarrassment and the guilt and the pain come rushing in from all different directions at once, that we can become isolated and feel alone and believe the, the devious lies of the master liar, the devil, who in most cases instigated the, the bad choices in the first place, to now believe that there's no hope. There's no chance. You've made your bed. You have to lay in it and just deal with it. And that's what's happening to St. Peter. The apostles had already received and experienced the amazingly glorious news that Jesus was risen from the dead. The man they saw tortured, brutally crucified and killed on the cross is alive again. And you would think that experience would be so welcome, so mind-blowing, so exhilarating, so life-changing. And what's Peter's response at the beginning of the gospel? I'm going fishing. What? It's like, that's your response? That's how you respond to the Easter miracle? Look, because he's feeling guilty. He's ashamed. He's probably thinking, Jesus must realize by now what a failure I am. Because in the Passion narrative, one of the most brutal lines to me is when, when Peter denounces Christ for the third time saying, after being asked, you must know the guy, you were with him. And Peter's like, my friend, I don't know what you're talking about. 
And just as he says that, the cock crows, and the gospel says very simply, Jesus turned and looked at Peter. I'm like, oh, I mean, it's just such a gut-wrenching moment. Right then, a second too late, Peter knows he's let Jesus down yet again. And now on a catastrophic level, how, how does he recover from that? Is recovery even possible? And he probably feels that his opportunity to be the, the leader that Jesus had imagined him to be ended as soon as that cock crowed. And no wonder, really. And so he returns to what he knew before his encounter with Jesus, to the life he had f- had before he found his life in Christ. He goes to back to his life as a fisherman. The hardest part is accepting you have to start over. Amazingly, but not surprisingly, Jesus is not stuck in the past or deterred by Peter's past failures. And he won't let him stay there either. He meets Peter right where he's feeling miserable and vulnerable and in the darkest chambers of isolation. And beautifully, Christ first reminds Peter that he will accomplish great things when he listens to Jesus and does what he's being asked to do. And he demonstrates this by repeating the the same miracle that got Peter's attention three years earlier with the huge catch of fish. And then in that emotional repeating of that question to Peter, Peter, do you love me? He gives Peter the chance to acknowledge three times as though he were lovingly obliterating the three times Peter had denied him. And Peter professes, yes, Lord, you you know I love you three times. Not to convince Jesus of anything. Jesus already knows Peter's heart inside out. But so that Peter himself can truly accept that he has to start over. He has to let go of this. He's got to let go of his past. He's got to let go of this failure and move forward with this profound awareness that Jesus' love is greater than his past and his failures. And Peter is reawakened to that thing that made him follow Jesus in the first place, that bright spark that the Lord once saw in him. He realizes that, yes, it's time to jump. It's time to start over, remembering the enormity of what Jesus desired for him to be that rock to be the very first pope of the church. And he can attempt to fulfill that call, albeit feeling a little bit more humble than he was originally. But what about us? Rather than reflecting on what your job should be or should you pursue a different career or job or whatever, I'm not getting into any of that career or academic advice tonight. The question for you is more, and for me, is where are we progressing spiritually? Where are we in our relationship with God? How is Jesus asking me, how is Jesus asking you to go deeper in your relationship with him? What is he putting right on your heart specifically to make you holier, to answer his call to do something for him? Maybe it's a a nudge to volunteer for something. Maybe following up on something that you started in Lent, like, you were going to daily master and Lent, so why would you just stop because it's Easter, you know? Maybe it's something that's a bit more challenging. Not making excuses or waiting any longer and humbling myself 
and apologizing to someone that I know I need to. Or forgiving someone who's hurt me in the past and finally letting go of that hurt that I've been nursing. Maybe it's something more life-altering. I need to pray and talk about discerning my vocation and where am I going with my life and what is the Lord asking me to do? What St. Peter reminds us is that God will never dwell on our failures and mistakes. The Lord isn't looking for reasons to fail us or to exclude us or to cast us aside as unworthy. Instead, he's looking at our innate goodness, at our best tries, at our near misses, as well as our, our clumsy attempts at doing his will. He's looking at us as the beloved sons and daughters that we are to him. Unlike Judas, who believed the final lie, that for him there could be no hope, there would be no second chance, there would be no forgiveness. Through God's unending grace and mercy, Peter was able to have a second, third, fourth, and who's counting already? Another chance to start over and over again and again. Where do you find yourself tonight? Is it a place where you need to start anew, like moving away from some sinful, destructive thing that's going on? Is it starting anew that it's a moment to encounter Jesus Christ in a new way that can be equally as transformative? Whatever it might be, with, with our life with Jesus is just simply going to be about jumping into new things over and over and over again. May you and I have the faith and trust to make whatever leap it is that he's calling us to.